Listen to the word of God. Today we read from Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. This is the New Revised Standard Version. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave you himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you so quickly deserted the one who called you in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you the gospel contrary to what we proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. The word of God. How could you fall for that? You've heard that line, right, in your lifetime? How could you fall for that? How could you be so gullible? I've told you some of those stories from my life. My favorite, my favorite, can I tell it again? I'm a teenager. My friends and I were down at the Coliseum watching the basketball game. We're hungry. It's halftime. We go to pick out food. Everyone's eating hot dogs. I order a hot dog. Amazing. Everyone's gobbling their food. I take a big bite of my hot dog. Oh, so good. I didn't know they sold vegetarian hot dogs at the Coliseum. It's that first bite. I look around and my friends are, (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe you fell for that. You fell for that. Usually those kinds of stories, you fell for that. They end with a laughter like that. Sometimes even a belly laugh or people just pounding the table. I can't believe how foolish you fell for that. With that in mind, That's actually the the beginning of our letter with Galatians and the Apostle Paul today. Only take away all the laughter and take away the jovial, joyful tone and take away the smile, lose the gestures, right? You fell for that. Hear it with a fiery, fiery, full reprimand. This is the first time we hear the word gospel in Paul's letter, and it's accompanied, the gospel, by the way, that great, good, large news that God is liberating everyone, all of us. First time we hear the word gospel, only it's accompanied with a shout followed up by a lecture. We call this Galatians an epistle. It's a a letter, the New Testament full of letters like this. Colossians, Ephesians, Titus, Timothy, they're all in this same category because letter writing is very common. You can become trained to be a letter writer. Letters, you know, letters. Think of the words that fly around us, how many words fly around us every day from text messages to in-person conversations, email, tweeting, chatting. Think of all the words we send around the world with very little editing, very little economy of words. And now imagine letter writing in the first century. Words that need to be written by hand by a trained professional and rolled up and sealed up and sent away. You never know for sure if they'll reach that destination. Well, when you open a letter like that, you expect a hello. Hello, how are you? It's been so, so, it's, it's been so long since I've seen you. Thank you for your recent letter. It was so good to get a word from you. You would expect some kind of a greeting like that. Not this letter, Galatians. 
The Apostle Paul, and you'll hear his name all summer long, the Apostle Paul develops his own greeting for most of his letters, grace and peace. The grace of God, may the grace of God give you the peace of God, is really summarized in that greeting. We could spend an entire sermon on that topic. We won't today. I'm interested with what comes next after grace and peace. What comes next? There's no congratulations. There's no affectionate memory to share. There are no commendations. The letter is actually not written or addressed to the saints in Christ or to co-laborers in the field. Paul is worked up, and he's telling them off, really. He's, he says, I'm an apostle. Let's get this straight. Not named by any human person, but by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, the one God raised up. All right, now that we've got that clear, verse 6 says this. I am astonished. I'm astonished at you people. I marvel. I'm surprised. How could you do that? What are you thinking? How could you? What were you thinking? This is the phrase that launches Paul. My mother used to say when we were growing up, if your friends jumped over the cliff, would you follow them? I mean, depends on which friends, right? How could you? Because the teachers and the friends who came to town and your Jewish circle that came close, how could you? What were you thinking? If the religious elites jumped off the cliff, would you people do this too? It makes no sense. To join the Jesus movement, you have to join the Jewish movement first. Did I teach you that? To join the Jesus movement, you need to follow the laws of Moses first. Did I teach you that? To join the Jesus movement, did I, you have to follow Sabbath first. Did I teach you that? On my first trip, second trip, third trip, did I teach you that? Didn't I teach you that the gospel, through the faithfulness of Jesus, the gospel is, says that Jesus, God, they are doing all the work. I'm astonished, I'm surprised, I'm confused, I'm bewildered, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm a little bit angry right now. You deserted the gospel. How could you? What were you thinking? So we see this is not the first time they've met Paul and the Christians at Galatia, right? This is a conversation for the inside circle of the Jesus movement, the early Jesus movement. Why is Paul so worked up and why can't he make a little compromise? He made a compromise with the people in Corinth over their worship ways and their spiritual gifts. He made a compromise with the people in Rome over the food they were eating. Why can't he make a little compromise with the people in the region of Galatia? What's the danger? The Jewish faith, after all, is reasonable and good and positive and hopeful. The Jewish faith doesn't kill you. It's good for you, right? What could be the problem from keeping the laws of Moses? What's the harm with the Sabbath laws? What's the harm with some dietary laws? What's the harm of circumcision? A little bit easy for me to say. But what's the harm, really? The Jewish faith has been going on for generations. Why not make it easy on people from the region, where there's likely 50% Jews, 50% Gentiles? The Bible uses that word Gentiles for anyone who's not of the faith of the Israelite nation, the Jewish faith. Why not make it easy on them? It's the beginning of things. There's no denomination institution. There's no department for evangelism. There's no HR department who cuts pastors their checks. Why not make it easy? Why can't we mix versions of the good news? It's a little bit like making curry. You put in a little bit of that, a little of that. These are the vegetables. Here's some protein. You pour it over rice. It's pretty tasty. And next week when I make it, I'll put in those vegetables and maybe that protein and a few hot dogs and pour it over rice and dip in the bread and it's still pretty tasty. Why can't it be like that with the gospel? 
All summer long, we'll have the Bible open with this book, Galatians. On Sabbath and then again on Tuesday, we'll meet at the text. I've been longing to do this for a while. The text from Sabbath becomes the text we study during the week. We're grateful that Dr. Osborne from the Divinity School and Pastor Otis and Pastor Raywin, who's back from her family leave, on Tuesdays, they will guide us through Galatians. Get yourself a notebook, get a laptop, an iPad, however you want to keep track of things, and be ready to dive in Tuesdays at the text. That will be our study time. On Tuesdays, we'll learn things like this letter to Galatia. It's divided in three parts. And And we'll learn that there's hardly a paragraph in Galatians that scholars haven't debated. And we'll learn that the people of that region had real lives and real traits and characteristics and traumas. Celtic people, Gauls, um, there's Celtic blood on the ground and generations of storytelling. They've suffered their own trauma of disease and the most recent revolt and all the traumas. On Tuesday at the text, we'll talk about those things. Here are some statements we will consider all summer long. There is confusion and even danger if we don't rightly understand the gospel. There's confusion and danger if we don't rightly experience the gospel. There's confusion and danger if we don't rightly express the gospel. True or false? By the way, they don't necessarily happen in this order, understanding, experiencing, expressing. More often, we experience and express the gospel, and that gives us a deeper understanding. This is not what the Apostle Paul is thinking about right now in this letter. It's not his point. The way we understand the gospel matters. That's the Apostle's point. What's the risk if things are a bit misunderstood? What's the risk if I have things skewed a little bit? As long as I love God and I accept Jesus, as long as I do my part in the world, as long as I'm generous and compassionate, as long as I'm loving and forgiving, as long as that, is it really worth all of this, Paul? His first concern is that they've quickly abandoned the things he's taught them. Yes, it's personal for Paul. So he brings up his own experience. Read Acts chapter 9 for Paul's conversion experience. That's Paul's podcast, Acts 9, Paul's story on the Damascus Road. Jesus not only turned his life upside down, but that was the call on Paul's life. So this is personal for him. I'm speaking to you on that authority, he says. And this week, read Acts 15 to get more of the background of this very issue. You have to join the Jewish movement to join the Jesus movement. That's the topic in Acts chapter 15 also. So in verse 6, this is where Paul launches Galatians Galatians 1 verse 6. I am astonished. I'm marveled. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. You're so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ. You're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and they want to prevent the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you the gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. And as we've said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you've received, let that one be accursed. It's a double curse to anyone who teaches you a contrary gospel. I curse the people confusing you. I curse the people misleading you. I curse the people enticing you, the people guilting you. I curse the people entertaining you. Whatever it is they think you're doing, I curse them. History tells us that the people of this region, they're known to be intrigued by new ideas and new rituals. One one ancient writer says that these are the people in Galatia who chase after the cloaks of philosophers. Whatever you believe now, 
It's not the second or the third gospel, Paul says. It's no gospel at all. Your Bible may have a heading right there, Galatians 1, verse 6. Your Bible may have a little heading there that says, there is no other gospel. Yeah. So Paul is not saying, let me compare what they're teaching you with what I taught you. No, no, no. There is no other gospel. They've taught you gibberish. So we bought a TV during shelter at home. It's been on the list for a couple of years now. There's a big black spot burned into the center of our TV. So we decided to buy a new one. It turns out a lot of people bought a new television during shelter at home, I've learned. I did all the research, so much research, trying to understand what kind of TV shall we buy. I got recommendations from people in graphic arts. I got recommendations from people in the film industry. And I narrowed it down, and we knew the kind of TV we wanted. Just have to know, is it this model or the brand new one coming out of this brand of television? So we go to the store, the box store. We stand outside because COVID. You can't go inside. So I ask the question, we want to buy a new television. It's this brand, and I just want to know the difference between the current technology and the brand new technology that's coming out. The salesperson said, oh, well, it's amazing. First of all, you're going to love this television. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's got this amazing way of, with the colors, the colors are just brilliant and vivid. You're going to love them. But I asked, but isn't the technology the same between the current model and the brand new one? I mean, it's the same technology you've had for a little while. Yeah, 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 but, it, but, but it's so much better and different. Oh, you know what? You should talk to the regional guy. He's here today. He knows all the answers to these questions. So the regional person comes out, the regional sales director for this particular brand of television. So, so you want to buy a new TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know the difference between this model and this model being rolled out. Besides $500, what do I get for that $500? He says, the color. The color's fantastic. I just put a 75-inch one of these in my home. You like to watch sports, for example. When you're watching your sports, I mean, the color, this AI technology, it's phenomenal. Like, let's say you're watching golf, right? And the camera's up close on the golf club. When the camera zooms in on the grass, the grass is, like the colors you've never seen before. The grass knows it's grass. And, and then the camera moves and catches part of the tree trunk, and the tree knows that it's a tree. The grass and the tree, like, they're not the same at all. It's just amazing what this TV knows, the grass and the tree. I ask the obvious question, so on this other model, does the grass not know it's grass? Are you joking me right now? The grass knows it's grass. The tree knows it's tree. I look at Kirby. Are we in some mystical forest? This is like a Tolkien story. These are the ants moving around. What is he talking about? The grass knows it's grass. The tree. You just want the extra $500. Is that right? We go back to the car. What is he on? The grass knows it's grass. The trees knows their tree. We... We buy the model, less $500, take it home, all the settings. You want to watch a movie? Sure, what shall we watch? I want to watch Avatar because I want to see grass that doesn't know it's grass and trees that don't know they're trees. Like, what in the world? If you come and watch at our house, you will hear Kirby and I say, oh, you want to watch something? Yeah, because on this TV, the grass knows it's grass. It's amazing. Inside joke, going to be going on a while in the Oberg household. It's gibberish. It's absolutely ridiculous gibberish for AI technology and memory that's possible inside of this television technology now, right? 
gibberish, the Apostle Paul says to the people in Galatia. You've been taught gibberish. It's not just, it's not what they gave you is is equal to what I gave you or another version of what I gave you. So it's not sufficient to compare the Gospels and say, let's have a a contrast and compare. That's not going to work. It's not sufficient to say, um, well, they taught you this, but you could consider. None of that's going to work. Because Paul is saying, what they taught you is no gospel at all. Whatever they're teaching you is a non-gospel. He'll spend the rest of Galatians with specific, precise, careful language to unpack this. Whatever they taught you, it's a non-gospel. They taught you to join the, that to join the Jesus movement, you have to join the Jewish movement first. They taught you that. It's Jesus plus circumcision and then you can be saved. It's Jesus plus the laws of Moses, and then you can be saved. It's, it's Jesus plus Sabbath observance. It's Jesus plus all of these customs and traditions. It's Jesus plus. Do, and for the people, by the way, who live in that region who are very attracted to rituals and new ideas, here come new ideas. Well, great. Does it require me to cut my flesh? Will I have to bleed? Will I, will I need to chant? Will there be fire? Will there be a ceremony with song? Will it take months? Will there be an audience? Okay, okay, sign me up. By Galatians chapter 3, Paul will say of these people, who bewitched you? Who bewitched you? They threw you a teaching. The gospel is throwing you a rope. That's how Tim Keller summarizes. The gospel says we're incapable of saving ourselves, so stop trying. The gospel, plus these rituals, is a recipe as a recipe for salvation. That's damaging. There can be no compromise. There can be no concoction of a new gospel. God is invading the present age in Jesus, and you're busy brewing a salvation stew? Why does it matter? If we have a little of this and a little of that and we're a little off on our understanding of the gospel because it distorts the peace and the hope and the joy God intends for our lives. And frankly, it puts the entire Jesus movement a little off balance. It makes us less useful in the world God so loves. There's a salvation story in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus. It summarizes the salvation experience, what Paul is trying to talk about in all of Galatians, right? There's an exercise that I often do with children, teenagers, sometimes even young adults. People who've grown up with the Bible, by the way, they'd be familiar with the Zacchaeus story. It's recorded in Luke chapter 19. I take all the parts of the story, the movements of the story, and I write them out on cards, and I hand them to the kids or the teenagers and say, now you put the story in order. How does the story go? And they'll take the little cards and lay them out, and then eventually here's their story. Zacchaeus climbs a tree. Jesus tells him to come down. Zacchaeus confesses of what he's done wrong to the people. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. The crowds grumble. And if the Apostle Paul heard our children tell the story that way, he would say to them, Who bewitched you? Who taught you this? That's no gospel at all. Who taught you that before Jesus comes to dinner with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus must confess and make things right with everyone? Because Luke 19 tells us Jesus heals Zacchaeus on the spot and that that healing causes this ripple effect that indeed the relationships around Zacchaeus begin to be repaired one by one. Healing comes person by person. 
Zacchaeus reconciled to God. Zacchaeus reconciled to his community. And by the way, the tax collection system is interrupted on the spot. Yeah, systems are interrupted. Salvation is immediate. Zacchaeus does nothing but come close to Jesus. Time piles errors on the foundation of the gospel. Paul knew this, and it had only been a little bit of time since he'd been with the people in this region. Martin Luther knew this. Ellen White knows this. Jones and Wagner know this. We know this today. Time piles error on the foundation of the gospel. The gospel is God invading our present age, God permeating the present age. There can't be any compromise of the gospel. What God is doing in Jesus, it shatters worlds. What God is doing in Jesus shatters ways of living. What God is doing in Jesus shatters being under the law. And it not only pulls us close to God, it pulls us close to one another, friends. Half a million people this week applied for national health care in our country, spinning out of economic control. The gospel teaches me how I might respond to that reality in this world. As the gospel unfolds in Galatians, we'll read more and more about that. All kinds of worlds are coming to an end. Whatever the primary way is you identify in the world, is it race, is it ethnicity, is it social class, is it gender, is it religious class? All kinds of worlds are coming to an end with the gospel. The Magna Carta of Galatians, the verse we all know, Galatians 3.28, I love that description. The Magna Carta of Galatians, one scholar said, tells us, all things will eventually shatter. What, do you think of yourself primarily as a Jew or a Greek? Do you think of yourself primarily as male or female? Do you think of yourself primarily as slave or free? All these worlds are coming to an end. When they come to an end, there will only be one location from which those grappled by the gospel, only one location with which we can identify. That will be in Jesus Christ alone. There is only one fundamental place with which to identify, each and all of us, with Jesus alone.